We're in 1 Samuel 22. 1 Samuel 22, when a nation needs revival. We're looking at a book that's been preserved by God for us to help us see what to do when a nation needs revival. And, and uh, last time we were together, we were looking at the life of David and how that, uh, well, we said it this way, he was just all over the place. Uh, you know, we talked about that family circus um, uh, some of those cartoons where, you know, the kids going all over the place, up the tree and down. And I mean, really, that's how David's life was. In fact, I, I looked at a commentary on this section of scripture and it happened to have a map of David's, um, David's journeys. And it, it was the dotted, the dotted marks. And he was, he was all over the place. But I thank God that God, even when we're all over the place spiritually, that God still loves us. And that he can still send a man of God like he sent in Gad to go and preach to David. And basically to say to David, what in the world are you doing here? God's got a purpose for your life. Get back in Judah. And thank God that, that David had sense enough when confronted by God's word to get right. To get right. Now, we do need to live in light of this fact. There are consequences even for forgiven sin. Did you know that? There are consequences. You can be forgiven. Forgiven is instant. Trust takes time, of course, to build. Takes, take, takes less than a second to lose. Isn't that right? And, um, and so there are consequences for forgiven sin. We're going to see some of that uh, tonight. Though really, the, the focus of the chapter goes from David and really more so on Saul. Okay, so we're going to look at, at King uh, Saul. And so we're looking now at verse number six and following. <clears throat> when Saul heard that David was discovered and the men that were with him, now Saul abode in Gibeah under a tree in Ramah, notice this, having his spear in his hand and all his servants were standing about him. So his bodyguard was there and other soldiers. Verse seven, then Saul said unto his servants that stood about him, Hear now, you Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? You hear his scorn. Will he do that? Uh, yes, he actually did. All right. Look at verse eight. That all of you have conspired against me. And there is none that showeth me that my son hath made a league with the son of Jesse. And there's none of you that's sorry for me. <laughs> Cry, baby. <laughs> none of you sorry for me. Or showeth unto me that my son hath stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as it is this day. Then answered Doeg, the Edomite which was set over the servants of Saul and said, I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob, to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub. Verse 10, and he inquired of the Lord, true or false? Now you know that, true or false? False, he didn't do that. David did inquire of, of the Lord, but that's what Doeg said he did. The dog, <laughs> Doeg and the Doeg, right? And gave him vittles, gave him a sword, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. Then the king sent to call Ahimelech, the priest, the son of Ahitub, and all his father's house, all his father's house, and the priests that were in Nob, 
they came all of them to the king. And Saul said, Hear now, thou son of a high tub. And he answered, Here I am, my Lord. And Saul said unto him, Why have ye conspired against me? Thou and the son of Jesse, in that thou hast given him bread and a sword and hast inquired of God for him, that he should rise against me to lie in wait as at this day. Then Ahimelech answered the king and said, notice what he says here, verse number 14. And who is so faithful among all thy servants as David? He's trying to reason with him, isn't he? Who's, who's more faithful than David? Which is the king's son-in-law? And goeth at thy bidding, and is honorable in thine house. Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Be it far from me. Let not the king impute anything unto his servant, nor to all the house of my father. For thy servant knew nothing of all this, less or more. Now notice, notice Saul's verdict in verse number 16. And the king said, thou shalt surely die, Ahimelech, thou and all thy father's house. And the king said unto the footmen that stood, round, that stood about him, turn and slay the priest of the Lord. Can you believe this? Can, I mean, really, can you believe this? Saul saying, kill him. Because their hand also is with David. And because they knew when he fled and did not show it to me. Notice this, but the servants of the king would not put forth their hand to fall upon the priest of the Lord. They knew better. They knew better. That should have been a red flag to Saul. You know, I'm out of my mind. Thank you. What was I thinking? That would have been a great moment to come to his senses. But that's not what happened. Look at verse 18. And the king said to Doeg, turn thou and fall upon the priest. He knew as an Edomite, he didn't have any morals. Turn thou. Hey, by the way, if you get far enough away from God, you'll find somebody that's, that's uh, far away from God as well. And Doeg, the Edomite turned and he fell upon the priest and slew on that day fourscore and five persons that did wear the linen ephod. Eighty-five priests died. Well, it didn't stop there. Look at verse 19. And Nob, the city of the priest, smote he with the edge of the sword. How sad is this? Innocent people dying right here, right? Both men and women children and sucklings and oxen and asses and sheep with the edge of the sword. I mean, he just slaughtered all the animals too. Huh. Verse 20. And one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. And Abiathar showed David that Saul had slain the Lord's priests. And David said in Abiathar, I knew it that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul. Notice what, notice, notice a different spirit in David right here. 
I have occasioned the death of all the persons of thy father's house. You know what he's doing right there? He's acknowledging his time of waywardness cost them their lives. That's the truth. If David had never gone to Nob, then this never would have happened. Hey, listen, don't, don't think uh, my sin won't affect anybody else. It's affecting people. But notice, notice also this about David, verse 23, Abide thou with me, fear not, for he that seeketh my life seeketh thy life, but with me thou shalt be in safeguard. In other words, he, he's taking responsibility. Confession and responsibility. That's what will help you when you've sinned. Confession and just owning up to it and taking responsibility and, and even dealing with the consequences. Um, that'll help you move ahead. But that's not what we're looking at in the life of Saul here. Tonight, the message is entitled this. You can't serve others if you're stuck on yourself. You can't serve others if you're stuck on yourself. Saul was all into conspiracy theories, wasn't he? There's a conspiracy against me. I mean, there's some weird conspiracy theories out there. I started to get into that and thought, no, nope, I'm out. That's weird. But what I'd like to do tonight is identify the true co-conspirator to Saul's downfall. The true co-conspirator to Saul's downfall. May God bless the reading of his word. I appreciate you standing for the reading. <clears throat> Just about the time you think this could get as uh, bizarre and weird as it's going to get, it takes a whole nother turn, doesn't it? In the life of Saul. In fact, we're not done yet. There's going to be some more scenes that just are outlandish and bizarre. I guess it goes to show you that you don't know where sin's going to take you until you get further down the road. This ought to be a warning to every one of us, lest we should think, oh, it's not going to be a big deal in my mind, and my life. We find, uh, we find King Saul under a tree in Ramah. Well, he's probably in Ramah because that was the last known location of David. Remember, he's trying to track him down. He's sitting there, I, I can just see him under the tree, and he's uh, leading with a spear in charge, letting everybody know who's, in, who's king around here. You know, if you have to tell everybody you're the leader, probably some issues with your leadership. I'm the man of this house. Did you just have to make that declaration to, for that to be so? Probably if you have to make a statement like, I'm the man of this house, Probably you haven't been the man of this house. Is that right? How are we doing so far? Are we off to a good start here? But if you have to say, woman, you get behind me. Uh, okay, I'm not going fully there, but uh, <laughs> there's some issues going on. So, I mean, I just see Saul there. I mean, he's sitting under the tree and, 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 he, and he's got in his mind, I mean, all kinds of things. And, and he's already been deadly with that spirit he's tried to be. And he's upset and thinking David's against him and, and Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his 10,000. He, can't, he, can't, he tries to go to sleep at night and can't get that song out of his mind. He tosses and turns and, and he's losing the kingdom. He's losing more than a kingdom. He's losing his mind is what he's lo either lost or losing. And, and, and he says, you Benjamites. I don't know if he stood up about right then. And he said, well, will David give you vineyards? 
Will David give you fields? You know what he's doing right there? He's trying to make David look bad to make himself look good. By the way, he says, ye Benjamites. Benjamites, say he's a Benjamite. They're Benjamites. But he's supposed to be the leader of the whole nation of Israel. So evidently what he's amassed to himself or surrounding himself with is people that are his kinfolk because he's an insecure leader. And he's concerned. In fact, what they wanted was a king that would be like all the other kings. Well, kings like all the other kings, that's what they did. They just got their family around them. And that's how they led. Well, David's not going to act that way once he gets to leadership and power. He's actually going to lead and get others involved. In fact, you're going to see captains of thousands, captains of hundreds, captains of fifties, captains of ten. I mean, all kinds of people are going to be involved in the administration of, of David. But here is, here is Saul, and he's a self-centered, self-absorbed leader. And, and what, he's, what he's doing here is he's, he's envious of David, who really has only tried to do him good. But he's trying to make him look bad. Saul's trying to make him look bad. And he says, you sons of, uh, you sons of Benja you Benjamites, rather, let's look back at it there. You Benjamites, uh, will he do this? Will he, will he give you this? Will he give you leadership positions? What I'd like to do is just kind of walk through what Saul says. And, and then we're going we're gonna to do a little true-false test. How many of you like true-false tests? At least you got a 50-50 chance. Isn't that right? At least you got a 50-50 chance. So anyways, we're going to do a little true-false test here in, in just a moment. But he's reminding them that he's the king. And, and, he says, and then he says this in verse number eight, that all of you have conspired against me. Uh, now, now, now there they were around him, his bodyguard. And he's saying, I know you're part of this conspiracy too. He's a little bit paranoid, don't you think? Everybody's against me. You know what? You can get to thinking everybody's against me. Nobody, no, nobody, nobody's taking my side. Okay. I got the spear here and I'm in charge and everybody better submit to me. You know, here's, let me point out a few things along the way. That's not necessarily the main idea of the text, but that does is worthy of bearing out. Um, sometimes leaders can get in a power mode. And, and even a, even a pastor can become like a dictator. Everybody better do what I say around here. If you don't, we've got some people watching out for you. That's not a way to have church, is it? Well, I'm, I'm glad we don't have a Gestapo here. You know, the Secret Service trying to find out who's where and who's there. No, there's accountability, but, but um, we're not as pastors or, or as dads or as leaders, supervisors at work. You, you, don't, you shouldn't have to lead with an iron fist. Now, you ought to be firm, but, but you shouldn't have to beat everybody into submission there. Something's wrong if that's the case trying to lead with the spear. A lot of people have been hurt in churches because a man was on a power struggle. That true. A lot of people have been hurt in families because a man or woman got on a power struggle. Saul, uh, Saul accused them of being part of the conspiracy. And, and look at it. He says basically the main ringleader in this is my son, Jonathan. And none of you have told me that that's the case. None of you have told me that my son is in a league with David. Well, actually, everybody knew that Jonathan and David were friends. This is like no new revelation. You know, here's, here's one thing I found about um, in times in which we get self-centered. You don't have to have the truth to operate. Jonathan is conspiring against me. David has joined in with him. None of you is sorry for me. Uh, I'm sorry for him. I'm sorry for his state of mind, aren't you? None of you is sorry for me. And there's none of you shows me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait 
against me as, as at this day. And, and listen, nobody around him says anything. I think they know, I think because of this, they know he's not in his right frame of mind. Nobody say nothing. That's not good English, but I guess that's, that's right. Don't, don't say anything right here. He's on a tirade. But Doeg spoke up. And Doeg said, I saw David. I saw David. He was, uh, he was at Nob with, Ahithoph, with, with Ahimelech. And, um, and Ahimelech, notice what he says in verse number, uh, see, verse number nine. I saw him there and he inquired of the Lord for him. What that would mean would be that a height, um, there's a lot of names with A's here. I'm going to do my best to keep them all straight. Ahimelech, Ahimelech would have used the ephod to help David know what to do. Well, that's not, that's not what Ahimelech did. He gave him the sword of Goliath and it was by the ephod. So whether Doeg was just out and out lying, whatever, I'm not sure. Or if he saw the ephod and thought, well, he must have showed him what to do by the ephod. He gave him victuals. Well, I mean, he gave him the showbread. Um, but he didn't give him a whole meal. He gave him some bread, but it was the special bread that was there in the tabernacle. Gave him the sword of Goliath. Then the king sent and called Ahimelech the priest. And so he has Ahimelech, but, but wait a minute. He doesn't just involve Ahimelech. He involves the whole priesthood there. 85 of them come together before, before King Saul. And now he's assuming that the whole priesthood is in this conspiracy against him and trying to bring him down. And so uh, he begins to, to question Ahimelech in verse number 13. Why have you conspired against me and the son of Jesse? Why, why are you a part of this Ahimelech? He's accusing him. Uh, in fact, we can very safely say this, falsely accusing him, blasting him. Why have you conspired against me? And why have you allowed him to inquire of God through you? But then Ahimelech in verse number 14 says, now, wait a minute, David's only been faithful to you. Hang on, everybody still with me here? Dave, David's only tried to help you, Saul. He's only been faithful. In fact, Saul, you might remember this. He's your son-in-law. Um, Saul, you know, you might, you might take into account here that he goes at thy bidding, verse 14. He goes at thy bidding. In other words, he's under your command. He's under your direction. He goes at thy bidding and is honorable in all in thine house. He does what you want him to do in a very honorable way. Saul, listen, uh, but, but here, here's a problem. You can't reason with somebody that's not spirit-filled and that's not given to truth. And so as a result of this, Saul would hear none of it. And despite Ahimelech's effort to, listen, despite Ahimelech's effort to present the truth, Saul chose to continue to believe a series of lies. He chose to continue believing a lie, in fact, a series of lies. And he says to his men, kill him. Nobody moved. Well, they knew better than the touch of the Lord's anointed priesthood. And they knew, they knew that Saul was off. Nobody moved. And then, as we read, he said to Doeg, you kill him. And this man of no morality took out his sword and the blood of 85 priests was upon his sword. And he didn't stop there. He went all the way to Nob, 
and killed their wives and their kids and their livestock. Much like Saul was supposed to do to the Amalekites. Isn't this astounding? And so, listen to this. Saul, through the hands of Doeg, treated the people of God as though they were his enemies. Wait, wait a minute, hang on, I, I gotta make sure you got that. Saul, by the sword of Doeg, treated the people of God. How many of you would agree tonight that Ahimelech and, and the priest of Nob, they were the, they were the people of God. They were the priesthood. They were God's people. And yet Saul treated them like they were his enemies. He treated them like he really should have treated the Amalekites, the enemies of God, those who were under the judgment of God. But now he um, violates and abuses and hurts families out of this rage this conspiracy that he thinks is against him, something, by the way, that he has fabricated in his whole mind. This isn't even true. It's not true that David was against him in all these things. He treated the people of God. Oh, my soul, listen, when you get distant from God, when you get away from God, listen, you look at people differently. I, I like what one man said. It's difficult to believe that this spirit, this, that the spirit-empowered, victorious warrior king of 1 Samuel 11, remember Sam, I'm sorry, remember Saul, when Saul was empowered by the spirit of God and how he helped the people of God? Remember that? How difficult it is to believe that that same man, who at one time was such a help to the people of God, are now, is now the irrational, paranoia-stricken mass murderer. How do you get from helping and serving to getting to be a mass murderer? I mean, listen, he's, he's really in the category of like the pharaohs. He's really in the category of like a Hitler, of a Mussolini, of other despots that, that have, have uh, exercised genocide. Saul's descent, one man said this, Saul's descent from God's servant to God's enemy is a sobering reminder of the self-destructive consequences of disobedience. When those who once served God turn and rebel against him, they become, listen, when, when those that once served God turn and rebel against God, they become God's enemies. They become God's enemies. Mercy. In fact, Saul, we could easily say this, Saul actually turned out to be the worst enemy to his own people because he was believing lies rather than the truth. Saul had the priests of Nob killed because he believed they were conspiring against him. I want to give you this true-false um, list here. Okay, so that's, that's the account. Everybody, everybody listen to the account? All right. Everybody on it? Everybody awake? Good, that'll help the rest of this message. I guarantee it. True-false. David, these are some statements running through the mind of Saul. David will not treat you fairly. False. He actually did treat them fairly. I'm talking about how he said to the, to the Benjamites, True or false? All of you are against me. 
False. True or false? This is Saul speaking. Okay. True or false? There's no one that reports about my son. False. They didn't really have to because everybody knew about David and Jonathan's friendship. True or false? Jonathan has made a league with David to overthrow his father. False. True or false? Number five. None of you is sorry for me. False. I, I think they... I'm not sure about that one. Anyways, <laughs> true or false? Jonathan has stirred David to lie in wait against Saul. False, false, false. True or false? Number seven, David inquired of the Lord through Ahimelech. False. Number eight, Ahimelech and the priest and Nob have conspired with David and Jonathan. False. This is all false, 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 false. None of it is true. But watch this. Ahimelech comes and tries to get through the reasoning, the, the falsehood that is swirling in, in, in Saul's mind. Now I want you to listen to the statements of Ahimelech and do the same thing, true or false. David has been faithful to you. True. He is your son-in-law. True. He goes at your bidding. True. He's honorable in all of his actions. True. I didn't inquire of God for him. True. I knew nothing about what was going on. True, but here's the problem. Saul was so consumed with lies that the truth couldn't break through. He was so consumed with lies that the truth could not break through. And thus, listen to this. When you give yourself to believing lies, you'll fight against those who are trying to give you the truth. I'm going to run that by you one more time. When you get, uh, would you please listen to this? When, when you give yourself to believing lies, and we have to say that about Saul, and I think we have to say that about us when we get stuck on ourselves. When you give yourself to believing lies and you're turning these lies over and over in your mind. Hey, wait a minute, hang on, before we move on. How many of you say, I think we do that as well, don't we? that we get something in our mind that we know is not real, it's not true. But, but listen, if you tell yourself that enough, you'll start believing it. And you're hearing it in your mind and, and it's going over and over in your mind. And somebody tries to get through to you by the teaching or the preaching or, or a friend comes and tries to reason with you. But, but you're, you're knocking the truth away. You're pushing the truth away because you're believing your set of lies. And when you give yourself to, to believing the lies that are in your mind, then you begin to fight against those that are trying to get the truth to you. And thus, the true co-conspirator of Saul's downfall was none other than Saul himself. We just, we just solved the conspiracy theory of Saul. Was there one that was trying to bring him down? Absolutely. Satan is God's enemy and he's trying to bring him down. But the co-conspirator was none other than Saul. Because you can't serve others when you're stuck on yourself. I think everyone here can deal with some lies that go through your mind. You can get thinking things like this. Nobody wants me here. Nobody wants, nobody 
Ain't nobody that wants me. See, if you get into real sin, you get into bad English too. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody want me around here. Don't nobody, don't, there it is. Don't, don't nobody want me here. Don't nobody love me at that church. That's a lie. That's a lie. Don't nobody care about me. Nobody cares about me at that church. Nobody talks to me. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hang on, hang on. Come on, let's be honest here tonight. Don't, don't, let, don't get that in your mind. Don't get that in your mind. Don't let that set in there. No, nobody, nobody talked to me. Well, I imagine somebody said, excuse me. No, for real. I mean, we just had a handshake in time. And, and I guarantee you this, if you didn't get your hand shook, it's probably because you didn't want your hand shook. But if, if, you, if you're not careful, you can get in your mind, nobody cares about me at that church. And you'll turn that over in your mind. You'll turn that over in your mind. Nobody's called me. Nobody's texted me. Nobody has reached out to me. I was, gone for, I was gone for two weeks and nobody contacted me. Well, I mean, that's a problem. We try to contact absentees. I mean, that's part of the role of a Sunday school teacher and Sunday school helpers. And, and by the way, not just Sunday school teachers and helpers, but Sunday school members. Class members, that's why we're having uh, who will go the extra mile trying to reach other people that have been out maybe for a little while and, and let them know. Don't, don't let them believe the lie that, that, that God doesn't care about them. No, listen, we care about everybody that's a member of this church and want them to be, a, be an active part of this church. But you could begin in your mind, nobody cares about me at that church. They're just all uppity uppity. They're all spiritual and, and I don't really fit there at that church. And that's really my parents' church. It's not really my church. Wait a minute, are you saved by the same blood of Jesus Christ? Are you a member of this church? You've been baptized in deep water? Water, just like everybody else, you got the same Bible, then listen, this is not your parents' church. This is not your grandparents' church. Listen, this ought to be your church. Don't let the, don't let the devil begin to get into your mind and, and tell you you don't really belong there. You don't really belong there. Listen, I'm telling, oh mercy, is everybody listening to this now? There's, there's an enemy of your soul that will tell you you don't really belong there because, I mean, they're like really spiritual people and you're not. God can't use people like you. God, can't, God can only use church people. Well, who are church people? Church people are people that have been saved by the same grace of God that anybody else has got to be saved by. Hey, listen, none of us deserve to serve God. None of us have intrinsically in ourselves the ability to serve God. Hey, listen, don't you listen to Satan because you'll become his co-conspirator that will bring yourself down. If you start listening to that voice that says, you can't really serve God, God can't use you. Look at your list of your past. You'll always be like this. This is who you are. This is who you'll always be. That's not true. That's not true. The Bible says, such were some of you. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verses 9 through 10 and 10 and 11, such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord. Hey, listen, that's the truth. But you can get to listen to the lies of Satan so much and the lies that you've concocted in your mind so much and the lies of this world and your flesh is lying to you so much so that, that you can begin to fight against those that are trying to help you with the truth. And you can get to saying, well, see, they're just that, that independent fundamental Baptist crowd and they don't love anybody. That's not true. That's not true. See, those IFB people, you know, there are IFB haters out there. IFB haters, and they, they don't like independent fundamental Baptist churches. And, and, and maybe they, they, and sometimes I think we gotta be honest, there's some problems that have, have been swept under the rug that never should have been under the rug that need to be dealt with. That's a problem. But don't, don't say, well, all the IFB churches, they're just a bunch of haters. 
That's what they are. Hey, listen, we just ran a bunch of buses today and brought in over 200 kids probably. They hadn't seen all the numbers, but brought in families. Hey, listen, don't, don't listen to what Satan's trying to get through to your mind. That's a bunch of haters there, a bunch of racists, a bunch of bigots. Excuse me, wait a minute. The truth is we pick up red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight. Amen. Yep. Thank you. Preach it. Uh, just narrow-minded legalists is what they are. Make their standards of their whole religions about their standards. Well, that's a problem if that's the case because it's not about standards, it's about a relationship. But you, you can get in your mind, everything's about standards, everything's about the list of rules, and that can just go over and over and over in your mind. And then the truth tries to come to you and you're going, poof, poof, poof. Okay, now don't make a video of that. Somebody tries to get through to you with the truth, but, but you're, you're deflecting the truth every which way because you're in conviction. And you can begin to think things like that and it gives you kind of an excuse for not being here. And then, wait, wait a minute, hang on. Watch what happens. This is what happened in Saul's life. Hey, listen, he didn't, he didn't end up as a mass murderer all in one step. He began, to, watch this, he began to drift just a little bit with something that wasn't true. And he got it in his mind. And he never did confront it with the truth. He didn't cast down that wrong thought. And he just got further and further away from God. And listen to this. When you get further and further away from God, you get further and further away from the truth. And when you get further and further away from the truth, you get deeper and deeper into falsehood and deeper and deeper into lies. And you begin to, to believe the lies of the, of the evil one. And your whole mind can get twisted and, and, and out of, bent out of shape. And, and you can look at people that are representing the truth like Ahimelech and, and the priest of Nob and the priest and the people of God that listen are trying to really help you and you can say, I'm against you. And you might lash out to you. Now I trust that you won't do violent like Saul did, but they can, you can cut others with words and you can cut others with emails and you can cut others with posts and, and memes and other things like that and you can kind of come at them because you're believing a bunch of lies in your mind. You know what Saul should have been doing? He should have been saying, Ahimelech, can you help me right here? You know the law. You know the word. You're like Samuel in my life. Ahimelech, I need some help. I tell you what Ahimelech would not have done. You're a dirty, rotten, low-down scoundrel. I'm not going to help any likes of you. I don't, I don't think that would have been Ahimelech's approach to this at all. I think Ahimelech would have said, well, Saul, let's, let's sit down and talk about this. Let's get some things right. Let's seek the Lord. Let's get some things right here. But instead of getting the help from the man of God like he could have, he lashed out at the man of God. Now, you need to know, I'm not preaching this because I've got people sending me hateful emails, writing letters or anything like that. None, none of that has happened in a really long time. But I, I just, I'm seeing here, see, the, I, I learned this week in trying to teach the homiletics class that we're to preach to the people from the Bible about themselves. And when I look into God's word very often, here's what I'm seeing, maybe you do too. I see myself right here so often. And that's how I can act because I can get defensive. I can remember how, how things were in my mind before truth began to settle in. And, and I was kind of being defensive against those that were trying to help me. I said they were trying to help me. And I said, I would say, well, why is this music wrong? 
I got rid of my country and I got rid of my rock and I got rid of my rap. Cassette tapes. <laughs> but what's wrong with my contemporary Christian music? And I'd get defensive and try to argue. You know, it dawned on me just, to, it, it dawned on me, wait a minute. Why am I in a position that's against the position that my youth pastor is trying to hold to? Joe Decker, who's to be my future father-in-law. Now, I didn't know it at the time, but you sure don't want to be against your father-in-law. <laughs> but it really hit me, wait a minute. He's a man of God. He's lived a godly life. He sincerely loves the Lord. And there's something very distinctly different about even his music. Right, I'm just using that as one example that could be multiplied by many examples. But I began to reason, wait a minute, I'm positioning myself in such a way that's against the one that's trying to provide me spiritual leadership in my life. I wonder who's in the wrong here. Well, obviously he was. <laughs> no, here's what I had to do. God, I've been wrong about this. And um, I need you to help me with your truth. And I stopped fighting against those that were trying to help me with the truth. And I got in behind them. And I'm asking you basically not, it's very simple. How are you positioned? Are you positioned with the truth, trying to help those? Or are you positioned against the truth? Well, nobody care about me there. Does anybody love me? God loves you, friend. Even if we have failed, miserably failed to show love to somebody, that doesn't change the fact of God's love. And we want to love people God's way. That's our whole theme this year. God can't use me. That's not true. They're just trying to control you. That's what they're doing. They're brainwashing you down there at Southwest Baptist Church. Brainwashing. Well, you know what? Our minds are dirty and they need to be cleansed. But we're not in a cult or brainwashing, but you might have somebody say, that's just a cult. That's just a brainwashing mechanism. You can, you can get that in your mind and you get distant from the truth. How about this lie? Come on, I've just got about four more and then we're done. Just a little bit of this sin won't hurt me. At one time you were serving God and really trying to give it your all, but then you kind of dabbled into whatever it was. Could be gambling, could be pornography, could be um, just a little bit of music that's different because that's what everybody else is listening to. And just a little bit, just a little bit is not going to hurt me. Just a little bit. Just a, just a little lying. Just a, just a little bit of Maybe even alcohol. Next thing you know, my soul, how far you've gone away from what is true and right. It's a lie when you begin to think just a little bit of sin won't hurt me. Or it won't affect me. It won't affect my family. I, I can do this and it'll be okay. I'm telling you, you're telling yourself a lie. It does not matter who you are. Sin affects everybody the same way. You are not immune from the effects of sin. Here's another lie. Nobody will ever know. The Word of God's trying to come to you and you can begin to think nobody will ever know. Nobody will ever know. Nobody will ever know. I'm telling you there's a God in heaven that already does know. 
And he said in his word, here's the truth. I'm trying to share the truth with you here tonight. Here's the truth. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. And the idea that I had misunderstood that at first I, I thought, and it is true that if you're in sin that you won't get ahead in life. That's very true. But it's the idea of the verse and the context. If you remember in our series through Proverbs, it was this, whoso covereth sin shall not prosper in covering his sin. You can't hide it. But here's the, also the truth. Whoso confesseth and forsaketh it shall have mercy. Don't believe the lie no one will ever know. Here's another one. My sin isn't affecting anybody else but me. My sin isn't affecting anybody but anyone else but me. That's not true. David said, I've occasioned the death of 85 priests and their families. My waywardness with God, from God. Your sin affects others. We're supposed to be serving others. But sin causes you to be stuck on yourself. And you can't serve others if you're stuck on yourself. One more. I'll miss out on life if I get serious about serving God. I'll miss out on life. I'll miss out on what life has to offer if I get serious about serving God. I'm, where did that one come from? I'll tell you where that came from. From the pit of hell, friend. Listen, that's not true. Only a deceitful deceiver as Satan would tell you something like that. You'll miss out on what life has to offer if you really get serious about serving God. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. Sadly, Saul was so consumed with lies that he disregarded the truth. People will get hurt in the process. Your parents, your spiritual leaders, churches, friends, and on the list could even go. Your own family, your marriage, your kids. Don't go on allowing lies to stay in your mind. Confront it with the truth of God's Word. And here's what we need. A daily dose of truth. I'm going to say it this way, in large quantity, because the world and ourselves, we're feeding ourselves a bunch of lies. And next thing you know, you'll end up somewhere you never dreamed that you would be. Father, I, I come to you tonight and I thank you for this passage. And Lord, um, there's a lot of ways in which we can even begin to fight against, work against those that are trying to help us with the truth. I've had times and seasons in my own life like that, and I thank you that you were merciful to me. And God, tonight I pray for this uh, church family, Lord, and the guests that are here, that we would all take inventory and we would evaluate the statements that are running through our minds and label them either true or false so that we can deal in truth. And God, we know that if we know you, then we'll know the truth and the truth will set us free. And, and so God, I pray that you'd help us to deal in truth here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. God spoke to your heart. Make your way to this altar tonight.